Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the life of David and me. My name is Jonathan Chan. I'm so glad that you can join me today. If you don't know, we are now nearing the end of our series. We are on 2 Samuel chapter 22, which means we only have one more to go after this. Hopefully you found this series enjoyable and helpful. Both Dan and I have enjoyed preparing it for you. And so we hope that you found some nuggets of treasures to apply to your life as much as we did. Now, customarily, before we begin, let's start off with a video clip. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the clip. Fine! The gloves are off, pal! Come on, let me see a little rat. Smite me, almighty oh, smiter! You're the one who should be fired! The only one around here not doing his job is you! Answer me! For us Christians, we talk with God often, hopefully. We talk with God in various ways. If today is Sunday for you, you may have talked with God through prayer, through some singing, through some meditation, or just sitting in silence, getting lost in your thoughts, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you and allow your consciousness to speak to the Holy Spirit. But when we do talk with God, what do we say? What's the content when we talk to God? Or better yet, what's the lyrics? What are the lyrics when we talk with God? Today, as we continue our series on the life of David and me, we encounter David talking with God for the first time. Now, this does not mean that David never talked with God till now. No, he's talked with God a lot and often. What I meant by for the first time, it is the first time that it is in writing that we can see what he talks about when he talks with God. We see for the first time in writing, revealed to us on paper in front of us, David's prayers. The type of prayers, the type of things he sing when he talks to God. In other words, we see his lyrics. And when he does talk with God, we notice that there's an honest relationship with God, not just a superficial one. So today, when we're going through his prayer or his song, as some would say, it's a song, I would like to bring up this point of exploration. It is when we talk with God, when we look at our lyrics when we talk with God, this determines the type of relationship we have with God and how we see God. Our lyrics determine whether our relationship with God is an honest one or just merely a superficial one. Or maybe it's just a relationship where we treat God as a jack-in-a-box or a divine butler where when we need help, then we call to God. Otherwise, we don't. What kind of relationship do we have with God? That is determined by the type of lyrics we use with God when we talk with God. Let's begin. Starting with chapter 22, verse 1. 
David sang this song to the Lord on the day the Lord rescued him from all his enemies and from Saul. He sang, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. He is my refuge, my savior, the one who saves me from violence. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and he saved me from my enemies. The waves of death overwhelmed me. Floods of destruction swept over me. The grave wrapped its rope around me. Death laid a trap in my path. But in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I cried to my God for help. He heard me from his sanctuary. My cry reached his ears. For those keeners out there, just a little bit of tidbit information. This is the same psalm as written in Psalm 18. Basically, both this psalm that we're going to be exploring in Psalm 2 Samuel 22, it's the same as Psalm 18. And so just to tickle your brain for that matter. Okay, two things come to mind when I read the first seven verses of this chapter. The two things are past and present. The first thing that David talks with God is about who God was to David during the times when David encountered violence. Now, the word, the Hebrew word for violence is a lot broader than just merely violence. The Hebrew word for that violence includes chaos, injustice, and suffering, basically torment. During David's time of chaos, injustice, and suffering, persecution, and exploitation, and torment, all of the above, the Lord, David says, was my rock, my fortress, and my savior, my shield and the power that saves me my refuge where I can find safety. David acknowledged and gives thanks to God when he reflects on what God was like to him during his time of trials. Now, that's the past. But what about the present? What is God like to David in the present? Well, in verse 7, at the end of this passage, David says that any time he's in distress, he knows that when he cries out to the Lord, The Lord hears him and knows about it. God is not some entity out there, way out there, detached from our lives and care less about what happens to us. For David, God hears us and he acts on it. And whenever we cry out to him. For David, God hears David all the time. And God understands, acknowledges David's cries. See, it's interesting how he learned that from the past. So he basically, what David did was basically took what he learned, what, how God revealed to him in the past, and applied it to the present to give him hope for the present. God reveals to us who he is when we reflect on the past so that we can have hope in the present. When we talk with God, like David, we ought to reflect on what God has revealed about himself to us in the past. Now, the past could be yesterday. It could have been a week ago. It could be months ago or even years ago. The most important takeaway in this exercise of talking with God in 
terms of reflection is to see how God revealed himself to each of us so that we can strengthen our hope for today, to strengthen our hope and faith in him in the present. For David, God was the rock. He was the power. He was a savior and he was a refuge for him. Today for David, he says, you are still my rock. You are still my, my power. You are still my savior and you are still my refuge. And therefore I can count on you whenever I cry out. For me, personally, when I look back in my past, for me, God, I, could get to, I would describe God as my healer. He was my provider. He was my protector and he is my comforter. And therefore for today, I can still count on God as my healer my provider, my protector, and my comforter. And therefore, when I cry out to him, I can have hope and faith and trust that he can hear me. And he does hear me. And he is my healer, provider, protector, and comforter. And he continues to be. So when I reflect on these lyrics of how God revealed himself to me, healer, provider, protector, and comforter, I remind myself that God is still my healer, provider, protector, and comforter in the present. That when I cry out to God today, he hears me as a healer, provider, protector, and comforter here, now, and in the future, even in light of COVID. When we talk with God, David tells us to reflect on all that God has shown to each of us, whether it was yesterday, whether it was a few weeks ago, or years ago, and then capture all that culminate all those revelations in words to describe them. And when we use these words, apply those words for today and hold on to those words, those lyrics for today so that we can place our hope and strengthen our faith in God that he is still those words today and tomorrow and beyond. Let's move on. Verse eight, then the earth quaked and trembled. The foundations of the heaven shook. They quaked because of his anger. Smoke poured from his nostrils. Fierce flames leaped from his mouth. Glowing coals blazed forth from him. He opened the heavens and came down. Dark storm clouds were beneath his feet. Mounted on a mighty angelic being, he flew, soaring on the wings of the wind. He shrouded himself in darkness, veiling his approach with dense rain clouds. A great brightness shone around him and burning coals blazed forth. When I read this passage, one thing stuck out for me about how David describes God when he talks to God is this. David tells God, man, you really hate evil with a passion. When God sees evil done to his creation, whether it be humans or nature, God is very angry and rightfully angry. It's not a temper tantrum or he's angry because he didn't get something he wanted. No, he's angry because his beloved creation is being hurt by evil. David sees God that way. The way David describes God is in the similar way of how the people of Israel describe God when God freed them from Egyptian slavery and exploitation. God was really pissed off with Pharaoh of what Pharaoh was doing with Israelites. God basically gets really pissed off when people treat their fellow humankind with disrespect, injustice, and exploitation. And for David and for the Israelites, they know that when God is angry, 
He will avenge. You could say that David saw God as the strongest and greatest avenger, not Hulk nor Thor. God is the strongest avenger. All right, so what can we take away from there? Do you find it comforting to know that when evil is done to you, that not only are you angry about it, but God is furious, that you're not alone? God is not angry at the person per se, that the perpetrator. He's angry because evil influenced the person to commit it. He's angry that darkness is still putting up a fight even though it knows that it's defeated. For David, he knew that darkness still existed. He knew that his enemies, whether they be spiritual, whether they be the Philistines, or even those within his courts, or even himself, deep inside himself, the lust and the impatience that David had. Well, this evil is still lurking. But he also knows that though evil lurks, God knows it too and is angry that evil still lurks. And when God knows, evil needs to count its days. For David describes God as someone who can dish out a whole lot of whoop-ass. And that I find comforting. Because when evil, when I am surrounded by evil, when evil is done to me, or when evil is inside of me, I get really angry as well. How come it keeps happening? How come I keep doing this stuff? I get really pissed off at myself too, you know. Well, I'm not the only one. God is also angry as well. And he wants to get rid of that evil, whether it be outside of me, around me, or within me. He wants to get rid of it as well with wrath. And therefore, I find that comforting, that when I invite God into my life, then I, when I submit to God and allow him to come into my heart, he's going to dish out a whoop-ass on that evil inside of me. And like David, I find comfort knowing that God will repay and avenge on my behalf. And he's fully capable of doing so. Do you see God this way? Do you describe God this way? A God who hates evil to the point that he wants to annihilate it? Not just the evil around us, but the evil within us? Or do we only see him as this friendly, accommodating being who just gives a little slap on the wrist and quick to forgive and forget without any consequences of righting or wrong? See, God is just. God is good. He's not safe because God hates evil. Remember Pastor Dan's last sermon? God will avenge and he will repay. God is not safe, but he is good. Verse 21, the Lord rewarded me for doing right. He restored me because of my innocence. For I have kept the ways of the Lord. I have not turned from my God to follow evil. I have followed all his regulations. I have never abandoned his decrees. I am blameless before God. I have kept myself from sin. The Lord rewarded me, sorry, the Lord rewarded me for doing right. He has seen my innocence. To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To those with integrity, you show integrity. To the pure, you show yourself pure, but to the wicked, you show yourself hostile. You, res you rescue the humble, but your eyes watch the proud and humiliate them. At first glance for a Christian, this might sound a bit like a moralistic deism, and that David is praising himself for being blameless before God. That's completely faux pas. 
That's not the case, right? If you journeyed with us so far through David's life, he is by far nowhere near perfect. In fact, he's very imperfect. He's a murderer. He's an adulterer. He's a deceiver. And man, the list keeps on going. He's also a failed dad. It's only by God's grace that he's alive and he's where he is at at this moment. So why did he say this stuff? Why is it here? Why does it sound like he's in this self-righteous pomp, being a little haughty and hypocritical? Well, here, I'll quote Phil Long because I believe that in his commentary, what he said is way better than how I can explain it. So here it goes, quote, It is often remarked that if David was a great sinner, he was also a great repenter. Despite his occasional and serious lapses, David, as we meet him in scripture, lives his life with God at the center. He believes in God, thinks about God, imagines God, addresses God and prays to God. Yet at the same time, he also forgets God, disobeys God, sins against God and ignores God. But God is the reality that accounts for and defines all that David does and says. The largest part of David's existence is not David, it is God. In short, David is to be classed among the righteous, not the wicked. Like Job, he is blameless, which is to say his relationship with God has integrity, though he is far from sinless. The righteous are those who live in active dependence on God as opposed to the wicked who consider themselves autonomous. End quote. So, how should we read this passage then? Well, if we read this passage again in light of Phil Long's comment, this passage is not about David being haughty or hypocritical, but rather David is acknowledging that what we do matters to God. There are consequences that we face when we disobey him. And yes, there are blessings when we obey him. Now, blessings is really defined by God, by the way. That although it is true that God forgives when we repent, it is also true that we still face the consequences of our actions. And David knows that very well. Bathsheba? So, it's more about the heart of pursuit and dependence to God the continuous pursuit and dependence to God, as opposed to thinking either we need to do it all on our own or thinking that God will ignore our actions and shield us from our consequences. We are called to have faith with integrity. When we talk with God, we need to be honest with God, to tell him of our weaknesses and to tell him that we will allow him to address those weaknesses with us as opposed to, oh Lord, I know I did something wrong, but please don't, don't, I, I, want, I don't want to be punished for it. That's just not being honest with God, is it? So for me, I need to remind myself that though God is a forgiving God when, we, when I repent to him by his mercy and grace, I too have to remind myself that I need to face the consequences as well, to be responsible of those consequences. Verse 29, O Lord, you are my lamp. The Lord lights up my darkness. In your strength, I can crush an army. With my God, I can scale any wall. God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. For who is God except the Lord? 
Who but our God is a solid rock? God is my strong fortress, and he makes my way perfect. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, enabling me to stand on mountain heights. He trains my hands for battle. He strengthens my arm to draw a bronze bow. You have given me your shield of victory. Your help has made me great. You have made a wide path for my feet to keep them from slipping. Do we talk with God about what we do for a living? I.e., do we talk to God about our work? Or do we keep our conversations with him with spiritual lyrics? See, David didn't. He talked with God about his work. And what was David's work? Well, he was a king and a soldier. In other words, in those days, David's job was to kill people for a living. Most of them were bad people, but let's be honest, it's hard for us today to acknowledge killing people as an occupation. We have a tough time talking about the military, and the reason is because they kill people for a living, right? Well, that's a topic for another day, but right now, when David talks with God, let's just focus on the principle and say that he talked with God about everything, including work. Not just acknowledging God in a spiritual sense, not just acknowledging God in a personal sense about relationships and stuff, but also describing how God works in David's work and what God has revealed to David in his work as a king and as a soldier. God provides David with a sure-footed path. God protects David at work. God fights, David, fights for David at work. God is a solid rock for David when David works. God is a fortress and shield for David. And this is the, my favorite one. God empowers David so that he can feel that he could scale a wall. So when he's working, God provides him with the confidence and the power to feel that he could even scale a wall. Do you or I see God like this in our work? See, personally, when I am faced with an impossible task at work, do I see God as this mighty fortress, this power, this shield, strength, guide, pathfinder that I feel I can scale a wall and conquer the impossible task? Is God real enough for me, basically? God is real in David's life, so much so that David sees God at work in his work. Is God so real for us that we can see God in our work? So when we talk with God, do our lyrics include the mundane tasks or the impossible tasks in our work? Or are we always looking for the extravagant and the spiritually extravagant just to keep God aloof out there as opposed to be God in our work, in our lives? God is real for us. God is real in us and God is real around us. And David saw that. Let's conclude with verse 47. The Lord lives. Praise to my rock. May God, the rock of my salvation, be exalted. Lastly, when David talks with God, David knows he's talking to someone who is quite alive. Someone who does things on behalf of those he loves. God is not some deity, some clockmaker who just created this world, winded it up, and let it go. And he's just high above there, 
up there in the clouds and to some religions needing our help in getting things done. No, God doesn't need our help. He's here alive and he gets his hands dirty. He rolls up his sleeves and gets his hands dirty along with us in our work, in our everything. Unlike many religions who see God as high and unreachable, and some religions, in fact, say that this God points fingers and judgmental and that you have to earn your keep and earn to get to heaven and marry a bunch of virgins. No, for David, David's God, Yahweh, is reachable. And David sees God as close to him, just like as close to as rocks are close to him, as a shield is close to him. And David says, God is my protector, forgiver, guide, and provider because he's right here. David knows that God doesn't need his help. It is David and us who depend on God for our all. And David makes God his all. So when we talk to God, do our lyrics say that? Or do we just keep him up there? Do our lyrics show honesty? Show, reveals our weaknesses, shows our needs and wants? Does it our, do our lyrics show about our work or what's going on in our lives? Do our lyrics provide an honest conversation with God? Do our lyrics reveal the way, that we, how we see God in our everything? Or is he just completely apart from our lives? Do we reflect on the past and see how God revealed himself to us that we can then place our hope and trust for today, that he's the same as yesterday and today? Do we see God as alive and present, ever so present in us that, we, that our lyrics reveal that he is in our everything? Do we allow God live in our work, our play, at home, at rest? Or does he just reside on a Sunday? What do our lyrics say about God? Because it is in our lyrics that determines how we see God and how our relationship is like with God. Amen. Amen.